0: Okay, guys, uh, we're in Colossians chapter two. Paul is uh, going to be expressing his concern today for the Colossians, for the believers there, and for uh, and give them some encouragement. Now, the the interesting thing to me is that he never he never visited Col- Colossi. It's, there's no record that Paul started this church. There's no record that he even went to this church but he's obviously concerned for their well-being. So there's some lessons that we can learn from this, okay? Uh because the the fact of the matter is is I mean if you if you're normal who do you think about in your coming days? Who do you, who do you think about? Who who is the focus of your attention? Yeah, yourselves, if it's beyond yourselves, who is it to? Family, okay? And maybe some close friends, right? Okay. Now, we'd like to say, oh, well, we're concerned about each other here. Well, that's not necessarily true. And, and and to say you're concerned about people in the church across the street or the church on the other side of town, you're not thinking that. You know what I'm saying? You're not concerned about that. So the apostle is going to talk about his concern, It's kind of hopefully going to give us a bigger picture here, okay? And and the reality is, folks, we need to have a bigger picture, okay? We need to have a bigger picture because our focus sometimes is very self-focused. So let's look at verses 1 to 5 of chapter 2, and we're going to see the concern. For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you, with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Okay, so let's look here at the concern. First of all, his deep concern, Paul wanted his readers to be aware that he was upset about them. Now, I chose the word upset because that's exactly what he's saying here in verse 1. He He's not just talking about, oh, I'm concerned. He's literally saying that he's in great conflict over them. Does anybody know what great conflict means? Anybody have any any concept of what that might mean? Okay, two, impor- two imposing forces pulling on you in two different directions. Well, that's a good definition, Bruce. Anybody else want to give us a practical illustration of what that might be? All right, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been up at night worrying about somebody, wrestling because you were concerned with somebody? How many of you have been up, done that? A lot of us have, right? Would you say you were conflicted during that time? Would you describe it as conflicted? You were... That there was like a wrestling match going on and you were praying, you were just worrying. I mean, you, you thought you could go to sleep, but you couldn't. Have, have you felt that way before? Yeah, okay. That's what he's talking about here. Now let's back up here a moment. I just told you he didn't even start this church. He didn't even start this church. He's in prison in Rome. This is in Greece. What's going on here? He's genuinely concerned for people, believers. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's got a genuine concern for others, what they're going through. So, okay, let's back up here. Okay, how many of you have seen through the news? What's going on over in Syria and Iraq to the Christians who live there? How many of you have seen that? Okay. Besides the, oh, that's too bad. Has it really concerned you? Well, that's good, Nancy. I'm glad it has for you. But, but for most of us, has it? No, not really. We're, uh, there might be the passing thought, boy, I'm glad I live in America. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? But, but brothers and sisters in Christ going through that, that doesn't impact us. We're not conflicted about that. We're not praying for them. The, the way concern is manifested is through what? Prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Through prayer. But for most of us, we're calloused. There's no other way to say it. Well, there is another way. We're insensitive to the needs of others around us, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul wanted to to have his readers understand that he he was upset about them. He's upset about them. So look at, but notice something. He's just not upset about a church that. He's maybe aware of, but he didn't plan, and he, he doesn't really, hasn't been there. Look at what it says here. His concern was not just for the Colossians, but for other believers as well. Look at how he phrases this. I think this is amazing. He says, And those in Laodicea, now Laodicea was a a town near Colossae in the same valley, very af- very affluent city, very rich city. We know about Laodicea from the seven churches in Revelation. But then notice, and as many as have not seen my face. So he's not just concerned about the Colossians some of because there's some people there who have met him. He's not just concerned about the Laodiceans because there's some people there who have met him. He's concerned about people who haven't even met him yet who've never seen his face who wouldn't even know how to describe Paul. Because they don't know what he looked like. They don't know what his voice is. He's concerned about people. This is what I want you to see. He's got a deep concern. Deep concern. So look at the basis of his concern. He's, he's, this is what he's concerned about for their life. And I think this is amazing. Because you look at, it's basically, if, if you wanted to, you could say this is what Paul's praying for them about. Okay. Look at what he's concerned about them. First of all, their mutual love. First of all, Paul wanted their hearts to be encouraged. He wants them to be encouraged in their Christian walk. Now, let's just stop for a moment. How many of you get discouraged during the week by something? Is that normal? And nobody's raising their hand. Like I don't want, I don't want to raise my hand. Like I get just discouraged. Okay, Bruce is, Bruce is. A mighty man, he'll raise his hand. How about the rest of you? Do you get discouraged during the week? And there's not a week that goes by that something doesn't discourage you, right? Might be the same old stuff, might be something new, right? Hello, first thing we can pray for each other, right? Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged this week by you. Because there's enough in this world to what? Discourage us, isn't it? I mean, we are enjoying the low gas prices, aren't you? Until I read that the feds are talking about sticking 12 cents on, and the states talking about maybe stuff. Hello? You know, I mean, that'll discourage. I mean, there's stuff that discourages you. He wanted their hearts to be encouraged. That encouragement would come as they were unified by a love for each other. Now, he's just not saying, oh, I just pray that they would be encouraged, Lord, like some mamsy-pamsy prayer, hope they get encouraged type thing. He wants to get specific here, and he knows that if they are united by love, by a mutual love, they'll be encouraged. Because they realize that the church, if it's united by love for each other, is going to be the basis of encouragement for them throughout the rest of the week. Do you know what I mean? So, I, you know, here's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, you know, after we're we're done with First Thessalonians, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what does church mean. What does it mean to be a part of a church? Okay. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is not a service. Church is more than just a service. Church is more than just The worship service, the music, and the preaching. If that's what your concept of church is, you will never get anything out of it. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's got to be more than that. Here, he's, he's wanting you to see that when there's a mutual love for each other, encouragement comes. Encouragement comes to you. Okay, Encouragement comes to you. (laughs) Oh, okay. With my glasses over there, too. Okay. Maybe I need Denny's new glasses. Okay. Paul wanted them to have the spiritual blessing that comes from a complete understanding. Paul wanted them to have... Look, and attaining the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. That's what he says here. So he wanted them to have the spiritual blessings that come from a full understanding. He wants you to be informed. He wants you to experience the blessings of being informed in the Christian life. This is why it's so important. That we disciple people. This is why it's so important that people grow in their understanding of who Christ is. Because when you mature in your faith, as stuff happens, you can hang on. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? As stuff happens, and as you mature, you're able to handle the things that are coming. Because you're, you're still putting your faith and trust in who? Jesus. Jesus. Did you understand? That comes with a full understanding. So, the complete understanding that he wanted them to have concerned the mystery of God. Remember, we talked about the mystery last week. The mystery of God was that Jesus Christ came and that those who believe have them in their life. The Holy Spirit enters into the life. And that is our hope of what? Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. Okay? So... You and I, when we have a complete understanding, we we have an understanding of that. I'm just not here alone. I have God with me. Okay? I have God with me. So, then notice now that this mystery was from... Again, he's going to talk about the mystery. This mystery was from the Father and from the Son, Jesus Christ. This mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory... It's from the Father and from Jesus Christ. So it is in the Father and in the Son that all true wisdom and knowledge may be found. It is in the Father and in the Son that all true wisdom and knowledge may be found. So let me just stop for a moment. Do you want to know how you can be spiritually wise and knowledgeable? Do you want to know how you can do that? Anybody want to know how you can do that? Okay. Let me just stop for a moment. When I say that, that you be spiritually wise and knowledgeable, some of you say, well, I don't know that I necessarily want to be that, George, because in my mind, I'm thinking about Mr. Bible Guy from church years ago who used to raise his hand all the time and answer all the Bible questions. But he sure did live wrong. He sure was a mean booger. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I don't know that I want to be like that. Do you know what I'm saying? How many can relate to what I'm saying? Okay. That's not what he's talking about here. In fact, that's not true wisdom. I would say that's simple, simple knowledge that puffs you up with pride. Pride. And you can have a lot of understanding of theology and have no understanding of God whatsoever. In fact, there's a book that's—I I would recommend you read it, but it's going to be a, take you a while to read it. It's called *Knowing God* by J.I. Packer, by James Packer. And why, why I mean is that every sentence is—you have to think about what he's saying. It's not like something you can breeze through. It's not mind candy. And he, and he made this statement in the introduction, and I thought this is very powerful. He said, you could study the works of John Calvin and know as much about God as John Calvin did. But you won't know God as John Calvin did. See, here's the thing. Just simply studying, it doesn't mean you're going to have a knowledge of him. What we're talking about here is that true wisdom and knowledge is found in God. The Father and the Son. So how do I get that true wisdom? It doesn't come through just simply the study of theology. That leads to emptiness. It comes from the relationship that you have with Him. It is reading His Word with Him. Do you understand? It's talking to Him. It's a relationship with Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where true wisdom and knowledge comes from. It comes from an intimate relationship with the Father and the Son. And and the wonderful thing is, is you and I have that opportunity and ability to do that. And that's what his concern was for them, that they would have that kind of relationship. Let me just stop for a moment. Are you concerned about people around you who are believers, that they have an intimate relationship with God? Let's just be honest. No. We just automatically take it for granted that they're saved, they're going to be okay, right? But the reality is, is you need to be concerned that they grow in their relationship with God. Do you understand? Salvation is more than just fire insurance for later on. Salvation begins the moment that you commit your life to follow Jesus. That's when it begins. And the opportunity is there for you and I to have a wonderful blessing of knowing him and that's where we need to be so we need to be concerned for each other in that area Paul is telling his readers this because he does not want them to be deceived by false teachers so the reason why he's putting this stress on them that he's concerned for them that they grow in their understanding and have true wisdom that comes from that relationship With the father and the son is because he doesn't want them to be deceived. Now let's just stop for a moment. Think about it for a moment. Why would you growing and maturing in your relationship and coming to wisdom and knowledge through your relationship with Jesus help you to be on guard against those who would deceive you? Anybody have any clue? Why would that help you? Now you'll know what truth is. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll know what truth is. Anybody else? Listen, folks. Even today, it can happen right here in our own churches. It can happen right here in our own churches. What do you mean? It has happened. One of the blessed things that you know of that that should be encouraging, remember I told you this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope that we have for the future? Folks, there are people who, who, right here in our own community who will tell you, well Jesus already came back. Jesus already came back in AD 70. We're in the kingdom. Have you heard that one? I have. I can, t- I, can I know a lot of different individuals who believe that. Okay? Here, I'm gonna tell you right now, how do you know, I mean, they'll, they'll open up their Bible and they'll, they'll show you right from their Bible how that's all true. How do you know how to respond to that? How do you know how to answer that? The sad thing is a lot of us don't. And the sad thing is we'll get deceived by that. Because we don't have an understanding of wisdom and knowledge that comes through the relationship with God. That's why it's so important that you just don't... I mean, yeah, come to Sunday school. We want you to come to Sunday school. You should be in Sunday school, okay? To learn. But are you learning during the week? Is God teaching you in the school of hard knocks during the week? Do do, do you understand? what It is the school of hard knocks out there, right, during the week, right? Is He teaching you from the Word of God during the week and through prayer during the week? See, this is why He wants you to grow. He wants you to have that relationship and grow in your knowledge so that when somebody comes along and says well, you need to do this in order to be accepted with God, you can say, hold on a second, wait a minute, now, where are you getting that from? Because my acceptance with God has nothing to do with me. It has to do with who? Jesus. There, there's so many deceptions out there, you know. If you give, God will bless. Where's that one? Did you know what I'm saying? God will bless you a hundredfold. Where's that one? Oh, they can find a scripture out of context somewhere to support that. But if you are wise and understand because of your relationship with God, you'll know how to answer that. So he doesn't want them to be deceived by false teachers. Let me just stop for a moment. Hey, just so you are aware, You say, well, I think I'm going to be okay in that area, George, because we we are a part of this church, and we get the truth here. And Hey, every one of you are still in danger of false teachers. Period. Every one of you. I don't care how good your church is you go to. I'm still in danger. If I'm not constantly learning and growing, I will latch on to something, and you will latch on to something, and before we know it, we've been deceived. Because it will rob us from the grace of the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? It'll rob us from the grace of the gospel. So these false teachers will deceive them with persuasive words and great speaking abilities. Isn't that interesting? Hey, you know what? <laughs> Thankfully I'm not, I hope I never have to go through this process again of looking for another church. That is a terrible experience for a pastor. It's a terrible experience for a church, okay? Some of you have been through that experience of losing your pastor and then looking for another pastor. And so here's the, anybody know what's the way that we choose a pastor? Anybody know? We get their resumes. We have a committee that looks over them, looks at their background. We say, oh, wow, look at his education. He came from this school, came from that school. Look at where he did. Oh, oh we don't want anybody young. We want somebody, you know, we had, we had a young guy before, and look at what happened there. So we want an older guy, okay? So look, look, this guy, he's pastored several churches. Okay, let's listen to his tapes or his MP3s or go online and listen to him. What do? How do we choose the pastor? What do we listen to? Because we invite him to come and what? Speak. And most people, unless there's a Q&A, and in very many instances there isn't, will listen to the guy speak one time, and the next week we're going to what? Vote on him, and we're going to say, Wow, that was a really good message. Hey, I'll just tell you right now. I'm a pastor. You preach your sugar stick. What's a sugar stick, George? That's your one good message that everybody says you're like Billy Graham about. Did you know what I mean? But nobody's looked at his character. Nobody looks at truly what he believes. And besides, just because he came from the right school doesn't mean he believes the right things. Did you hear me? Just because he came from a right school does not believe does not mean he believes the right things. Okay. Um. Hey, I, I, I'll just be flat. Out. I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the a program at Liberty. I think it was when I was working on my second master's degree. I'm in a preaching class. One of the dudes in the preaching class is a Mormon. Now if he graduated from Liberty he'd have a good degree but he's still a Mormon. And if he if he decided that he wanted to pastor one of our churches we would say, "Oh, he came from Liberty." And hire a Mormon. You would find out later that maybe he was wrong. You know, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, but the damage is done. See, here's the thing. The key thing, it's not just in Colossians, but every one of the New Testament books will tell you that a false teacher deceives people with his what? His great speaking abilities. His great speaking abilities. Now, let me just stop back up for a moment. Okay? I thought I've shared this with you before. I remember in Canada, a lady came up to me. She thought she was giving me a compliment, and maybe I should have taken it as a compliment. She said, George, if I don't hear you on Sunday morning, I just can't get through the week. Now, she thought that was a compliment. Some of you might think, well, that's a nice compliment, George. She's talking about how important your preaching is, okay? Folks, that is not a compliment. If you're telling me that you can't get through the week spiritually unless you hear me preach, you got a problem. You want to know what the problem is? You are relying on somebody else to spiritually feed you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And one 20 to 35 minute message is what you need? There's a problem. You should be feeding yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if we had a 10-year-old kid around here that says, I'm not going to eat anything until mommy feeds me, we would want to say, hey, kid, grow up. Pick up the fork yourself and eat. Mom doesn't have to shove it into your mouth anymore. That's what happens when you're one. Did you know what I'm saying? You learn to feed yourself. Christians have to learn to feed themselves. The reason why this is so dangerous is that we have a lot of people that are waiting for a pastor to feed them. Rather than feeding themselves. And so they'll look at the message and say, oh, he's a good message. Are you feeding yourself? That's the reality. So, cause, and then go back. Think about what his concern was for them. He was concerned that they, they would encourage each other through mutual love, but he was also concerned that they would have what wisdom and knowledge that comes through a relationship with who? With God. Why? So that they would be on guard against who? False teachers who would deceive them with persuasive words. Okay? Now, he goes on, he talks about his presence. He told his readers that though he was in prison, he was with them in spirit. Huh? Though he was with, in prison, he was with them in spirit. What does that mean? It is the Holy Spirit that unites all believers. Okay, so like right now, my, uh, my oldest is in Cedarville, Ohio. And, and though we are separated I am with her in spirit the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit it's the same Holy Spirit who what inhabits all of us did you understand what I'm saying? so when I pray for her there's a connection that the one I'm praying to the one who helps me to pray is right there with her did you understand this is what Paul's saying I'm in prison in in. And I am with you in in spirit. How many times have you, I mean, think about this. How many times have you had the experience where all of a sudden you were troubled for somebody? You were troubled for them. And it was like you had a great sense that you needed to pray for them. Have you ever had that experience? Okay. Guess what, folks? And then you realize later you heard that they were going through something at that exact moment. What was going on there? Holy Spirit talking to you right there. Pray for this person. Pray for that person. You know what I'm talking about? We are united in the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Do you understand with each other? All right, let's go on. Paul rejoices to see their organization and their foundation of faith. So he's encouraged as he's looking at their lives at their organization, how they've organized themselves, and their foundation of faith. Now let's look at verses 6 and 7. He's going to give them an encouragement. Verse 6 and 7. Look at what he says here. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, bounding in it with thanksgiving. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to, first of all, talk about their salvation. Paul points out that they received the Lord Jesus for salvation. I mean, if you are a believer here, you have received Jesus Christ. Now, let me just stop. That does not, when we talk about word received there, That's not talking about asking Jesus into your heart. Nowhere does the scripture talk about that. That means you have received His grace in your life. You've received His salvation. Okay, you've received the person of Christ. He's entered into your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it's talking about there. Okay, as you've received the Lord. Now the word, now here's what we're supposed to do. Because we're saved, the word walk means to continue to live in. He's going to tell you to walk. So what that means is is you need to continue to live in. What do I need to continue to live in? Because of their salvation, his readers are to continue to live in Jesus. You and I are to continue to live in Christ. We're to walk in Christ. Now what does that mean, George? Well, what that means is to continue to live in is that you live your life according to what Jesus wants you to live your life. In accordance with. And some things he very specifically tells us in the Word, don't do this, do this. And in other areas, living in Christ is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in other decisions that the Scripture doesn't clearly tell you about. Do you know what I mean? Like, you you maybe have... Maybe you were going to get ready to do something. And it's not a not something that was strictly forbidden. It's kind of one of those gray area things. Like you're really not sure if you should or shouldn't do it. But the moment that you're moving in that direction to do it, you feel what? Conviction. You feel guilty about doing it. That's the Holy Spirit telling you what? Not to do it. In your life, not to do that. Okay? So... Living Jesus means that your continual conduct and behavior is worthy of a Christian. So think about how you're living your life. So I want everybody here, Don't we're not going to ask you to answer this out loud, but I want you to process it in your mind. Think about your last week. Think about the things that you did. Think about the th- decisions that you made. Think about your interaction with others. Think about last week. Now let me ask you this question. In your mind, answer this question in your mind. Was it in accordance with what God would want for your life? Was it in Christ? Were you living in Christ? Was your conduct and behavior worthy of a Christian in those instances? Uh, if, if anybody here says no, then you're okay. Because none of us are 100% okay. But what needs to happen is is that we need to realize, I didn't do right in this area. I need help in this area. Do you understand what I'm saying? God, I need your help. I'm not walking as I should be in you in this area of my life. That's his encouragement here is that they live in Christ. Okay, He's wanting them, because of their salvation, to conduct themselves in a way that is reflective of who? Jesus. Okay, he's going to talk about being rooted and built up. They are to be established in their relationship with Christ. See, here's what I want you to understand. This is for me as well as you. It is not an option as to whether or not you should have a time with God. I'm going to repeat that. You write that down. It is not an option as to whether or not you have a time with God. It's not an option. Because you're either growing in your relationship with God, or you're not. You're either growing close to Him, or you're growing away from Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not an option to say, well, I don't need to pray today. Well, I don't need to read God's Word today, or this week, or this month, or this year. I don't need to pray. I mean, I prayed at lunch. Bless this greasy burger. You know. It's not an option. You need to have that relationship with Him. And in order for you to be established in your Christian life, it's not how many Sunday school classes you attend. It's important that you attend, but it's not how many you attend. It's how rooted are you, and established are you, in your relationship with God. That's what's important. That's what's important. Let's go on. they are they are being built up by the relationship with Jesus. See, here here it's not just that you establish yourself. See, it's the relationship with God that builds you up. So that when the crisis happens and it will happen, okay? When the crisis happens, and it will happen, you won't have your legs cut out from underneath you. Because you're being established in the relationship with God. Did you understand what I'm saying? doesn't mean that you won't be shocked by it. doesn't mean there won't be an initial panic. What it means is, is that you're going to rest in who? Because you know that he's real because you have a relationship with him. Did you understand what I'm saying? You have a relationship with him. So they are being established in their faith by what they've been taught. So that that's one of the purpose of us having a Sunday school class is to help you to establish yourself in what you believe. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Establish yourself in what you believe, what you've been taught. Hey, let me just stop for a moment. You know, my this is my how we do lessons here is my approach to ministry. Some guys spend their time Having a class on doctrine. The doctrine of God. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Doctrine of angels. That's wonderful. That you could, maybe it would be good to study systematic theology. But I, I'm a firm believer that if you go through the books and you hear what he's trying to tell you through each book, you develop your theology. But you become established in your walk with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like the encouragement today is, Hey, I need to have that relationship with God. That's what Paul's been talking about here. Okay? And so how do do you get reinforced? It's not just through the relationship, but through teaching that guides you to, to understand the word of God. And then finally, here's what's happening with their faith. Their faith overflowed with thanksgiving. All right so let's uh, let's measure ourselves again, don't express this out loud, but I want you to think about this Here's the question Are you a thankful person like right now, could you say to george don't 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 I don't want to see your hand or anything I want you to think this is all process stuff. Can you say to yourself, yeah I'm really thankful for you, Jesus, for what you're doing, what's happening in my life. I'm, I'm really thankful. Can you say that? Now, probably, a lot of us probably can't. Okay, so I'm generalizing. I don't know anybody's circumstance here, okay? But you know yourself, and the reason why, can I tell you the reason why? That we are not as thankful as we should be as a people. It's because our faith isn't established. And when I talk about our faith being established, it's not talking about how big your theology is and how much fact you know. It's talking about how grounded you are in your relationship with God. And the faith that's established that he's talking about here is the faith that you have that comes from a relationship with a living God. So therefore, you can be what when that happens. Thankful. Did you understand what I'm saying? Thankful. So you've got to ask yourself, are you a thankful person? If not, then you know you can do something about it. What, George? Count your blessings, name them one by one. No, no, that's not what you do, okay? Aren't you glad I don't lead the music here, okay? No, it's not counting your blessings. It's getting more and more rooted in your relationship with God. You go to him and you're honest with him. God, how about today I just tell you I'm not real happy about what's going on in my life and I'm not a thankful person. Help me with that. I'm struggling. That's real, isn't it? That's real. That's being rooted in the relationship. Do you have that kind of relationship with him that you can go to him and tell him, I'm not happy, God? That's what he's talking about here. Their faith overflowed with thanksgiving. That's what he's talking about, the Colossians. Okay, next week, remember he was giving us, he was telling us to be prepared against false teachers. So next week we're going to hit that right on, verses 8 through 17, and we're going to look at the onslaught of deception. Because you and I, we face deception all the time. And so we're going to talk about that next week, okay?